Welcome to episode 84 of Voice in Education. This is Julie Daniel Davis, and I'm coming at you after I have had, I think, 14 different episodes with guest speakers. But I've also been, during all this time, kind of working through some things in my head in terms of what makes a good skill or a good action or a good capsule for educational purposes. Uh, I'm currently a adjunct faculty member at UT Chattanooga. And in that, I'm teaching an ed tech course. And I've been reading this book called Mobile Learning, a handbook for developers, educators, and learners written by McQuiggan, Kosturko, McQuiggan, and Saborin. And it was written in 2015, but there's so much good information in this that also relates to good skills because there's a whole lots of it talking about creating apps and what you need to create apps. And I see a lot of correlation there. So after reading the book, I wanted to share with you the things that just resonated with me in terms of creating good skills or good actions or good capsules. And I would say that this maybe is more to the developer, but educators need to be aware of the things that are important And I would say not just in a um, voice skill, but also in an app itself. So I hope this is helpful for a wider audience today. So the first question I would ask is, do you have the right team available for this creation? Are you talking to an educator to learn how educators need information or how um, an educator's perspective on how it is set up. I think that's important. It may be a consultant. It may be that the educator is the dreamer of this skill or action, but that having an educator as part of that is going to be really important uh, for it to be done educational purposes. Uh, The next thing is first launch versus return users. Um, Is your first launch where a person, child, let's say child, um, can very easily understand what they are to do in this skill or action. Do they understand what they are to do if something doesn't go right or how to motivate themselves forward? Uh, it needs to start with some very clear expectations and very short instructions. And then after they return, You don't want to keep bombarding them with all those instructions, but give them, the return user, an opportunity to listen if they want to. I think it's important that it's easy to navigate and that reverse actions are easy to figure out for a child or a student. Um, I think it's important that it is leveled content. And here's the thing that Um, I'm not seeing a lot of when I look at educational skills, but I think we need to see as educators that these skills or actions are standards aligned. So if you're doing a skill on math, then align that skill to common core standards. If you're doing a skill on science, same thing. Pick some standards that you can align to so that teachers know Does this actually support what I need it to support in the classroom? If it's standards aligned, they're much more likely to look at what's going on. I also think that you have to be able to show us that there's going to be instructional impact. The efficacy of your skill or action is really important to a teacher. And is it 
pedagogically sound? Does this support what I'm doing uh, in a way that adds to education and supports education instead of taking it away? Um, I think that it's really important to talk about the purpose of your data collection and that you need a well-stated um, data collection policy listed so that teachers and IT directors and CTOs all can go and look and see what you're doing with the data you're collecting. Uh, is the logins just for progress only so that students don't have to go backwards every time? Or is there a greater purpose for your logins? And if so, what are you doing with those logins? How, who are you sharing it with? How are, you've got to be really, really transparent in what you're doing with the data of these students, not just for the sake of the parents or the school systems, but to follow the guidelines set in many laws. I can tell you that the top concern of parents, according to the book, regarding technology uses of their children are targeted marketing. So I would suggest not marketing directly in a skill for educational purposes. If you want to market that, market to parents who sign up for the skill for their child maybe, or to the school systems. Uh, parents are concerned about data persistence. And what I mean by this now in terms of education is, is this data gonna follow my child and maybe put them in a category of education that I don't think should be part of who they are. Um, that's one of the things that is most scary for parents is using data to uh, stereotype even. Uh, also data security. What are you doing with that data? Where is this data being stored? Are you selling my data? Who has access to my data? How long are you keeping that data? Data, data, data. It's a very important thing for the world of education. And then lastly, I would say stranger danger. Um, you know, what? who can my child come in contact with when using your skill? And um, as we continue to develop skills and actions, I see the ability for community-based um, connection being an opportunity, but you need to always make sure that uh, there's safety in that as well. One of the things that I'm super excited about that just that came out, or I heard about it in August, is that Google no longer will be sharing or storing audio recordings unless you specifically permit it to do so. So instead of opting out, when you open up your device, you have to set opt out, you now have to specifically opt in. In my opinion, this is a huge step forward in making people feel more comfortable with using devices. And I hope to see the same th thing from Alexa in the future as well. Um, we'll see what that looks like forward, but that is super exciting in terms of privacy and data. Uh, 
there are a lot of things going on in the ed tech world right now due to pandemic times. I'm still a firm believer that if an educator uses something like flash briefings in the Alexa blueprints to talk to their students daily or weekly, um, even if they're not face-to-face, that that personal connection of hearing their teacher's voice is going to add to asynchronous or synchronous learning right now. And I know a lot of people say, but my families don't have a Echo or they don't have a Google Assistant. But most families do have a smartphone and smartphones, you can put the app for either one of those devices on your phone and you could they could access this information daily. I think that personal, anytime we can find a way to be personal with our students in pandemic times, it's going to add to their comfortability and continue to grow that relationship. So that's another thing that I think now's the time for teachers to really be using things like this and to meet the students where they are. This is Julie Daniel Davis and I'm signing off.